Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. I am Race for the Prize. You can go to racefortheprize.com to get access to the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet for the month of February. 30 bucks. Too much? It's not too much, by the way. But you can purchase for the weekend of Daytona. Get these dual sheets, which we're going to talk about today, or maybe Atlanta, uh, Las Vegas, 12 bucks, whatever. Use Venmo, PayPal, or Cash App, money over to me. Information's at racefortheprize.com. Remember also, live show tonight, 6 p.m., even though I'm probably going to just say all the stuff that I'm already going to say on here, maybe my projections will change. Also, kindly reminder, and I apologize, I record this podcast in my man cave. The HVAC system occasionally kicks on, background noise is not the best. I also record while walking on a treadmill because I can't slump over at a computer for 10 hours a day like some Gen Zers. Can't do it, refuse to do it, I'm moving, I'm an on my feet all day guy, I'm not going to apologize for that. And, you know, there's some Tony Robbins motivation. You need to get up and start moving too. Are you sitting in the chair listening to this podcast, watching it on YouTube? Get moving. Put it on your phone and start running around your house and start chasing your kids around. All right, enough of that. We're looking at duel number one. We'll do some projections. We'll talk about our previous trends. What were the highlights from last night? Did you miss anything? You didn't really miss anything. Ford takes the front row. But it's interesting. It is in their new body. And then Toyota... Also, with a new body in 2024, their best car to qualify was in 20th place. So not a good day for Toyota. I'm not really worried about that moving forward. Maybe there is cause for concern. We'll see. Not going to overreact, especially not for this race. I'm not going to bury Toyota. I'm still going to play Toyotas. And I'm not going to elevate Fords in the duels or in the Daytona 500. So not really a big point there. Uh, the most significant thing would be that Jimmy Johnson failed to qualify in a Toyota for Legacy Motor Club. He's starting 18th. He has to race his way in. He has to race with purpose. And so he's been slapped with a $9,000 price tag. Makes sense. The other driver that failed to qualify is J.J. Yaley at 5600 He also has to race his way in. So it's J.J. versus J.J. And on paper, there's a lot of ways to look at it, but really, not really. You think, oh, well, J.J. Gailey's got a chance. Now, although, if you look at the sheet, his dual results haven't been that great. But if you've listened to previous podcasts, you know that, oh, well, he raced well at Atlanta last season. He had a good result at Talladega. Let me just stop you there. Those were with Rick Ware. If he were in a Rick Ware car facing this Legacy Motor Club car at a regular track, it's not a huge disadvantage. There is some. But at a play track, if he were in a Rick Ware car, be pretty equal, but he's not in a Rick Ware car. He's in a New York racing car. Really, the only way that J.J. Yaley is going to best Jimmy Johnson is if there is a wreck or chaos. I mean, Yaley might be able to stay on the lead lap. Yaley does have purpose. He is significantly cheaper, but he's significantly cheaper for a reason. He does not have a Rick Ware car. He's in a New York racing car. He might fall a lap down and need Jimmy Johnson to wreck out of this race. I don't have any confidence in J.J. Yaley in that equipment. You can go in that direction, but as we have said in plenty of previous podcasts on my channel, you don't really play drivers in the back. Even if, just put it aside, let's take the conversation over Jimmy Johnson and J.J. Yaley racing their way in. Take that media story, push it to the side, hit rewind. That's it. Pause, rewind, go back to the previous podcast we talked about during the offseason. When you're building these lineups, and I've gone over it, we've looked at tons of optimal lineups for the duels. And you can see those videos on my page. You need a finish of around seventh. You need better than top 10. 
even with drivers starting 20th, they have to get well past the top 10. Look, once again here, here's a reminder. So let's say a driver, we want to get guys finish worse than 10th and still get a top 10 score or top 60 FS score. So what we are saying, how many times in the history of the duels at DraftKings has a driver not made it past 10th but still ended up in an optimal lineup? The answer is none. What that tells me is, based on history, yeah, J.G. Illy can score a lot of place differential points, but he has to get into the top 10 from that position. Is that New York racing car going to get into the top 10? No. I mean, we can make it, how far does he have to get based on history? Two times if he can get to ninth. Two times in all of these duels, regardless of where they are starting. That's what the data says. It's just not, like we talked about this before. The sweet spot is between 5 and 15. 15 to 20 have a real hard time of ending up in an optimal lineup. It's just the facts. 15 to 20 have a hard time. They make it. It's not impossible. And you can look at that data here where it says start further back than the number and still get a top six score. So how many times is a driver starting outside of the top 15? Four times. I'm telling you, it, it can happen. But be careful chasing place differential in these dual races. That data right there says four times in all of these duels, a driver started outside of the top 15 and ended up with a top six DFS score at DraftKings. What it says, this is not a regular Daytona. This is not a regular Talladega. So we take these rules and we apply them and say, all right, I am not playing J.J. Yaley. And here we can simply do that by doing our projections. I do not see J.J. Yaley in this equipment getting past 15th. And that gives him overall 34 points. Let's just look at a previous dual lineup. What would 34 points get me in dual number one from last season? 34 points. Where would that rank? 10th highest score. The 10th most fantasy points is not going to get it done. You want to give him another position, he's still not going to get it done. You want to give him another position, he's still not going to get into that top six. He needs carnage. I am not really high on J.J. Ailey. Does that help? I hope that helps. If you want further explanation of those trends, check out my YouTube page. I go into the duels, and I talk about where people start, where they need to finish, all of that data and help you lower your player pool from, I mean, it's already small at 21, but what the target, what the trends are, where we see these drivers coming from. Like real quickly, I know this is repeat, but we can see that the driver starting, what, fourth in dual number, or well, the driver starting fourth 10 times has ended up as a top play. Start versus DFS rank. So the driver starting fourth in the duel. We look at both duels. Ten times in all these duels has that driver ended up as a top DFS play. Top six. 
all that stuff's in there. Watch those previous videos and you can look up and see, you know, their rankings. And this one's just much more simple. Starting versus actual finish. And you can see driver starts fourth, finishes third, finishes second, finishes second, finishes fifth, finishes third. You really need one, two, three, and fives and whatever. Top sixes to score the most fantasy points. And on average, the best number has been the driver starting fourth. And you can just follow these numbers down. It becomes very difficult for these guys to score points. They just can't make it through. Okay. I don't need to do the trends video again. It's already up there. We'll go to the top, do some quick projections. Logano can win. Logano can win, lead a bunch of laps. And we'll just look and see. I'll just look at last year. We got two of 30. Hmm. Yeah, I don't want to be too aggressive, but I'll go give him 30 points. How many laps are we running in this thing? 60 laps. It's 50 laps, my fault. And I don't want to give him a 30. I want to go over here. Let's just look real quickly at some of these averages. Typically have, what is this, the maximum amount of a driver to lead. We got three. We got 2.8. I think I got a sheet that covers all of these if I can find it. No, no. Uh, we'll give him four points. Eric Almerol dominates this race once upon a time. Larson can win. I'll give him three. Elliot can win. Give him two. Dylan can win. Ross Chastain's aggressive. He can win. Now, look, projecting for a super speedway is this is just the way that it goes. It's not the way that you normally project at an intermediate track or a short track. You're a lot more accepting and liberal with your projections. You can be tighter, but that's going to eliminate people from the pool. And being really strict about where you place people, besides eliminating people from the pool, it's just not very honest because. Truly, can Ross Chastain get a win? Yes. I would say his odds are a little less than Logano, but we're talking about a difference of degrees. Whereas if we were projecting for an intermediate track, yeah, there's a bigger difference in speed and skill, and you're going to be more discerning in making your projections. But as far as I go, you may agree or disagree. When projecting for a Super Speedway event, much more liberal and open about putting high numbers in for these folks. Gilliland, I don't believe can win. But I could see him squeezing into, well, you're not going to complete. This is a little tougher. I'm going to give him three. I could see you giving it four. But look, these cars are good. Michael McDowell's on the pole. He's got pretty good equipment, maybe the best equipment he's ever had. He's going to line up third on his row. Why not? Why can't he finish third? He could possibly finish better than that. 
Uh, now, unlike the other drivers, he may have a better chance at falling backwards, but that's just something we have to deal with. It's Todd Gillen. Um, and if people are chasing place differential because they didn't watch my previous videos or don't know the trends, they're probably going to fade Todd Gillen starting sixth. Although, if you've watched my trend videos and where we go through all the data, we go through all the optimal lineups, he's in that bell curve sweet spot, 5 to 15. Now, he is near the tail, but he's on the good tail end. Um, these are the drivers that have the ability to move forward. Remember, you really need finishing position in this race. There's not a lot of place differential points out there. And the drivers that do have access to the place differential bucket, right, the three scoring buckets, hog points, finishing position, and place differential. Hog points or dominator points, we're just going to throw those out. The drivers that have access that can maximize place differential or have the opportunity, the guy starting back here, there's just not enough laps. There's just not enough carnage. There's just not enough aggressive racing to really open the door a lot of times for the drivers on the tail end of that bell curve to end up in the optimal lineup. What happens is the guys that have a little less place differential on the table, but are a little bit closer to the front, they get up, they get a top five, they maximize their finishing position, get just enough place differential, and end up with a 42 fantasy point day that gets them into the top six. Gilwin's not going to get you any place differential, but he can get 42 fantasy points. And I am putting all these in the wrong spot. <laughs> I hope you're screaming at the screen as you slump over in your easy chair. No, you're not. You're up moving. You're running around the house. You probably forgot as well. You didn't even notice. You're chasing your kids around. And so we look. 41 fantasy points. And let's just, again, look and see where is 41 going to place us in the grand scheme of things. Now, we know a third-place finish is pretty solid in terms of DFS if we're looking at the trends. If we look at finishes, or that's start versus actual finish, let's look at finish versus their DFS result, and we'll know that a third-place finish 100% of the time. So we've had 16 dual races, or eight races of DraftKings duels, or eight nights of DraftKings duels, 16 races in total. And in every single one of those, the driver that finished third ended up with a top six DFS score. That's what this says. Their finish compared to their DFS rank. And you can see the driver in 2023, in the first duel, that finished third, scored the fourth most fantasy points. That would, that's Todd Gillen. Finishing third would be fourth most fantasy points today. That's the assumption. 2022, the driver that finished third ended up with the third most fantasy points. Third, second most, fourth most fantasy points. They have top six DFS scores in every single race. One, two, and three. All are ending up in the optos. So if Gillen, although he's starting too close to the front, yeah, but he's close to the front, which means he can finish close to the front. And if he finishes third, then he's optimal. If he finishes fourth, he might end up being optimal. 14 out of 16, even if he loses a point. And let's go back over here and look at the, photo, the, the points. 
So a 42 from Gillen. Yeah, it'll be close, but I think it'll work. So Austin Sendrick scored the six most fantasy points at 44.3. Now, 44.3 at 6,800. Maybe the lineups don't all fit in automatically, although last year you fit everything in. Pretty easy to get one, two, three, four, five, six. But 42 fantasy points at a low price tag for Todd Gillen, I'd be all over it, especially because I don't think people watch enough of my videos or read enough of my content, and they're going to chase place differential. They're not playing cars in the front, and they're especially not playing Todd Gillen in the front. Be all over that play. We'll look at the second duel just to give you another idea. Or was that the second duel? That was. We'll look at the first duel. His 42 fantasy points, it's right there. Right, Busher scored the fifth most fantasy points in Duel 1 at 43. And oh, by the way, finished fourth. Sixth most fantasy points was Zane Smith, finishing eighth. 43 fantasy points. Pretty simple, folks. All right, let's go back, do some more projections. Ryan Priest, as long as he's not out there risking his life, I can easily give him a third. That would put him in the optimal lineup. Chris Busher, he could probably win, but I'll dial it back. That would easily put him in the optimal lineup. Uh, Bowman. Now, you're going to see all these trends of Bowman not scoring fantasy points. That's what we see there. And we can see where he actually finished. 17th, 14th, 20th, 15th, 13th, 14th. Let's add a little bit of context here. Bowman never runs the duels because Bowman is always on the front row. And he's the driver that stands to lose if there's a wreck. If there's a wreck and you're on the front row, you have to go to a backup, you lose that Daytona 500 starting position. So he's never had an incentive to race. He's always had an incentive to go to the back. So throw out this data. It does not mean he's not good at the duels. It just means he wasn't supposed to race at the duels. Now, for the first time, he actually has to go out there or gets to go out there and race, test his equipment, and I could easily give him a three. It's fine. You can go a little bit higher if you want. Not a problem for me. Daniel Suarez. This is a case where I will look at his date and see what he has done in the past and say, all right, well, he's never really been a splash at the duels. He's never been that aggressive. I can see with these other drivers. You know, I, I flew through Logano. But Logano, you might remember from previous videos, has been the best racer at the duels. Top rated. You can use the raceforthepriz.com fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet to cross-reference that. You can watch the previous video where I go over it. And he has done some of these while starting on the poll as well. And look, I gave Larson a quick yes. He races pretty well at these, except for the times where he is on the front row. I'm not worried about those guys. They all are pretty good plate racers. So yeah, I flew through them. Now as I get the guys that may not necessarily be great, plate or super speedway racers, I'm going to be a little bit more critical and give them less points in my projections. These will change throughout the day, and we'll see what we turn out tonight for the live show. I'll give him seven, although he's never finished better than eighth. Anthony Alfredo. I'm not really going to push it here with Alfredo. I'll give him a nine. That's getting into kind of a dangerous spot. I know we're in the sweet spot in terms of these are the guys that can get place differential, and these are the guys that can get close to the top five that can be optimal. But I have a hard time putting the Alfredo inside the top five. Just 
I'm not going to do it. Eric Jones, the fastest of the Toyotas on Thursday night. I could see him going forward. He does have a Daytona Clash win. He does have a Daytona Summer win. He has a couple pretty good performances in the duels. Legacy is kind of in a rough spot. Maybe their attention is going to be on Jimmy. Maybe that means Eric Jones is going to step up. Like at the very least, look, I want to say six, but as I said before, I don't want to be that critical. I want to open up possibilities. I'll go five. That makes him a very popular play. Starting 12th, let me look at the trend sheet real quick. How well has the 12th spot played out? And we look at dual one last year, the driver starting 12th. And that's the finishing sheet. Here I can see where they start versus their rank. I want to see their start versus their actual finish. So last year, the driver starting 12th in dual one, finished 14th. But then we had a run here in 2022, 12 to 6, 12 to 3, 12 to 4, 12 to 7. A 12 spot's been pretty good. On average, finishing eighth, that's right about where we need to be. And we can then look at what were the DFS outputs. Now, last year, not good. 12 to 4th, 14th, that's only the 16th most fantasy points. But when the car starting 12th crept into the top six, that's when it got a top five DFS score. Second most fantasy points in 2021 with a real-life third-place finish. The car from 12th going to fourth in real life ended up with the third most fantasy points in dual one of the Daytona race. So interesting here in our bell curve, like I said, the front row in dual one tends to decide not to race. And so very few times are they optimal, right? The car starting first in dual one only once, three times, once. Then it starts to expand and then we've got a little bit of a sweet spot here. Goldilocks zone. Drivers starting 11th, 12th, 13th, seven times top six score, eight times a top six score, seven times a top six score, nine times a top six score. That 11 to 15 spot, something we really want to start looking at as we're doing this projection right here. Hemrick, a guy that you're immediately, I don't want to roster Hemrick. He's in the Goldilocks zone. This is a habitable planet. The porridge is just right. The only problem is it's Goldilocks eating the eating it. No one likes Goldilocks. No one likes Dane Hemrick. But he's in a spot where he can score fantasy points. He is very cheap. And let's say seven. And that's going to give him 43 fantasy points. 43. 46 for Jones. He's right there. If he can get to seventh. I'd say he's a top six score. You know, all these guys aren't going to finish first. Some of them are going to fall back. One or two will make it through and score around 50 fantasy points. Then you got Gillen. A couple of these guys aren't going to make it. Hemrick is clearly in play. He's just got to get to seventh. And if you just imagine them lining up, He's, what, seventh, sixth on his lane of the grid? If he can just slide up three or four spots in his groove, in his lane, he can get there. Throwing a little bit of carnage. Now everybody's favorite, Martin Tricks Jr., statistically the worst plate racer in history. 
You can look at that data. I've written about it at DraftKings just about every year because the data just doesn't change. He's the worst. His dual stats are much better, though, although he doesn't have any top six DFS scores. It's close, knocking on the door last year with the seventh most fantasy points, 2020, seventh most fantasy points, and he gets close to the place he needs to be. Let's project him at seventh, and I think we're going to get a optimal projection and a top six for Martin Tricks Jr. We throw him in at seventh. It's not a great point per dollar play, but I think there's going to be plenty of money on the table. 44 fantasy points. It's pretty close. Um, and these are also the guys, if you're really playing cash line, their floor is a lot safer. You play these guys up here, someone's going to go backwards and throw up a big negative score and kill a lineup. If it doesn't work out for Truex or Hemrick, it doesn't hurt nearly as bad. If I play Truex and you play Priest and Truex Rex and Priest Rex, I win because you lost more negative place differential than I did. But I don't really suggest playing cash. Ty Gibbs. Uh, if Truex can finish seventh, then so can Gibbs. And these are our probably low-end projections on these guys. Stenhouse absolutely can finish seventh. I will actually, now I'm not going to juice him up too much, but it's not going to take much from him. You know he is a radical super speedway racer. Doesn't worry me at all. Corey LaJoy, last year most fantasy points in his duel. Two years ago, second most fancy points in his duel. Spire is not really out there to look like fools. They are really trying to make hay. They're trying to get attention on them. Uh, you know, I have concerns with when these teams expand to three cars. We talked about this a lot back in the day. We don't do it so much anymore because the teams don't expand as much. But, you know, so these smaller teams, and I've always been a big fan of, hey, maybe you downsize and take your red so your resources and you you know you use them more on two cars as, a, as opposed to spreading your resources out, really limiting speed. That's always been my uh, perspective, and it seems to have played out for the most part over the last decade. The teams that expanded stretched the resources too thin, and it really hurt their teams. And then the teams that eventually ended up downsizing, taking their resources and focusing them on two cars rather than three or four, tended to get a little bit more speed at times. We'll see how that plays out. I worry that Spire may be getting a little too big for the britches, maybe spreading their resources too much. But either way, they've always been pretty good in these races. And if they are truly wanting to expand and make a name for themselves, they're not going to go into a dual race and phone it in. And you've got one of the best super speedway races around. LaJoy getting to seventh is maybe a low-end projection. He's not going to hang in the back. Now, here we go. Jimmy Johnson. There's purpose, there's desire. Before we get too greedy, remember what the data tells us about drivers starting way back here. They don't end up in the top six very often. Corey Joy did get into the top six last year, but often these guys starting way in the back just don't have the equipment or the opportunity to get inside the top 10, to get really close to the front. Jimmy Johnson gets into the race with the 10th place finish. But Jimmy Johnson does not end up with a top six DFS score with a 10th place finish. He ends up with 42 fantasy points at $9,000. It's Jimmy Johnson. He can get further up. It's not looking that way through qualifying. 
He didn't have very much speed. Toyotas in general didn't have very much speed. He doesn't really need to be that aggressive. He just has to beat a New York racing car. These are the themes and factors that often play out, and it's one of the reasons why we don't see drivers starting 15th to 20th in optimal lineups. Because at the end of the day, most of the fantasy points are earned through finishing position, and these guys just don't get up there. I'm not doubting Tyler Reddick. I'm not doubting Carson Hosever. But they have 50 laps to get from the back to the front for no purpose at all. Finishing second in a duel is absolutely worthless. You need to win the duel. So he's got to go from 20 to first with the cars that are mainly just out there turning laps and trying not to wreck. Where is the opportunity going to come? What opportunity is going to present itself that Hosever can weave in and out and in and out and get all the way to the front? He knows this going into the race. And so then he tells himself, why am I going to go risk the car? Why am I going to go out and race like a maniac and maybe upset a bunch of people to try to chase a win that really doesn't even pay anything? And a top five doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, it does set the starting grid for the Daytona 500, but we all know that the starting grid for the Daytona 500 is pretty much meaningless. I would even go as far to say that being on the pole is meaningless, but other people still think that is a prestigious honor. But getting up close to the front doesn't matter. It's pack draft racing. This doesn't mean anything. Hosfer has no, per- no reason whatsoever to try to get a top 10 in a duel. And even if he does finish 10th in the duel, we've gone over this data before. You have to get further up. We've looked at past top six optimal lineups. And you can watch the video where I show even the guys starting 20th that get to 10th, they still don't score enough fantasy points. Other people score more fantasy points because they get all the way to the front. And they also have some place differential too. I just don't see Carson Hosefer getting to the top five. I mean, really for him to be optimal, he needs what? I mean, if he can get to seventh, sure. Statistically, the number works. But here's the kicker. It doesn't happen. We've looked at the data. The driver starting 20th rarely makes it to 7th. And i just go over this again. We did this in previous podcasts, but it's worth repeating because I know you didn't watch all my podcasts. I know what you're telling yourself. Look, dude, it's host of, or let's do Reddick for that matter. I'm going to go ahead and dial this one down so I don't forget. Oh, it's Tyler Reddick, man. He's good. And he is good. And he can finish seventh, but he won't finish seventh because it simply just does not happen. I know what you're telling yourself. He's got the car. He's a good driver. He can make it happen. How many times do you think that probably has been said in the last 10 years on DraftKings? In all these duels where a good driver was starting in the back and good equipment in a dual race. Dude, 50 laps, that's nothing. He can get it done. So let's just look. He's starting 19th. We'll run it in our calculator. Starting further back, then the number in the yellow box, and still get a top 60 FS score. We're putting it 15. We're actually being fair. We're not even going all the way back to 19. We're saying, look at all these duels, and look at all the drivers, Starting 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, 21. How many times have those drivers 
ended up with a top 60 FS score four times. Four times in eight or in 16 races. You take 16 spots, you multiply that by six, you get 96 spots. 96 drivers have filled out spots in optimal lineups. And only four of those started 16th or 17th or 15th or worse. 16th or worse. Now watch Reddick have a hell of a race and end up in the optimal lineup. But the data suggests that, yeah, they can score a bunch of points. Like, look, the projection. Can he score seven? Yes. Will he do this? No. If you're going to ceiling, yes, he is capable. But the odds are he will not. And so I will dial that projection down and be a little bit more conservative with it. So there's my projections. And we can build a lineup. Or actually, we can run the optimizer. You see what the optimizer says? Let's do it. Let's run the optimizer. See what kind of data we get. Oh, I don't have it on this. Uh, I'll open it up in another. Got to run it in a, another account. It's going to be a second. Do no momento, folks. I'll get it to you here in a second. Let's see if I can. Open the optimizer up. Actually, yeah, let's do this real quick. Just a second. My apologies, but that's okay. Takes a second to run the optimizer anyway. Pull up recent sheets. See what's going on with Daytona 1. Um, off the top of my head, it's probably not going to love the guys starting up front, even though they're all pretty affordable, I would argue. And let me turn the optimizer on. Sorry for this downtime. Um, one of the things that you can do, though, if you want to see where we're ranking our drivers point but otherwise, there they are. Otherwise, if it matters, I don't think it's going to matter. If you want to look, this needs to be updated. Ignore that. That's pulling up their projection, not their finishing points. So, hide. Don't want you looking at that. I don't think you're going to run the optimizer. I think you mainly would just play around with the build sheet. So while the optimizer runs in the other screen, actually, I probably shouldn't mess around with inputting data while the optimizer is running. That can cause it to crash, so I won't do that. We will be patient, won't we? We'll be patient. Let's not be too ridiculous. All right, here's what the optimizer said. and I know what you're thinking. The optimizer loves Tyler Reddick. The optimizer loves Jimmy Johnson. I believe that optimizers around this, around the industry will love both those guys. I'm not on them. My data does not like them. Yes, I have to project them to finish where they finish, 
but I'm, I'm just not on it. I don't like the trends. I don't like what we see in terms of starting position and the correlation with DFS points. Obviously, loves Josefer starting in the back as well. Suarez, it even goes as, well. Ah, oh, that's because my optimizer got goofed up. I got to fix the optimizer. Womp womp. What a terrible end to this podcast. All right, off to fix the optimizer. I hope you enjoyed this. We'll do dual two after I fix the optimizer.